What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Bray, and I am here with my co-host, Alex Felice, who sometimes just hosts and I get stuck in the back burner, but uh, we'll see what happens this episode. Uh, <laughs> Hugh is our guest today, Mr. Hugh Carnahan, with a mustache that actually makes mine look kind of pathetic because he's got like the wax, uh, you know, French twisty thing going on. But Hugh and I have been friends now for about a year, year and a half. We met... Um, I guess Facebook, whatever, but he, he reached out, met at the coffee shop. Uh, he's kind of one of those stories. Alex always talks about people he met that turned out super, super, a good investment to talk to. I did not have time to meet you on the day that he hit me up. And I was like, okay, man, if you can make it here between this time and this time, I got this like a 20 minute slot. And uh, we hung out for like 20 minutes and we've been friends now for about a year, year and a half. And uh, probably gonna do some deals together. We, we work out of uh, the same market and gone over to his house, got hammered drunk and hung out with him a few times. And what Hugh did was the first deal that he ever did was 26 houses in a portfolio deal. And I remember thinking that this guy was nuts and he turned around and did very well with it. And since then he's bought a, a hotel, a small apartment complex. I think there's a laundromat in there. Hugh's done a little bit of everything. Um, and so this is cool because, you know, now he's got like 30 doors, 14 months later, he's using other people's money. He's quit his W2, he's going full time. And he's doing that because he's got a lot of crazy systems that he's very, he does the two second lean thing. He's extremely well systemized. Uh, so this is gonna be a lot of fun. So Hugh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. I'd recommend don't buy 26 houses at once if you don't know what you're doing. It's bad. Can't be bad. <laughs> how did how did that first deal go for you? Uh, in the end, it ended up okay. Uh, at the very beginning, it was I studied, I read all the books, I listened to all the Bigger Pockets podcasts, and my strategy was burn. And then came across a portfolio loan and was like, oh, can I actually do this? And I was like, well, it'd be kind of traditional. You put 20% down, bank made me put 25% down and buy everything at once. Well, the couple that I was like, oh, there's a nice couple retiring. Um, and I'll take over their loans uh, or I'll take over their portfolio. But really what happened was they were like, oh, we're really tired of all these garbage properties that are a huge pain. They're D properties in D areas. Uh, we're just going to sell all those off. And I was the dumb guy who bought them all. So um, went traditional um, and then figured out really quickly how to rehab houses and, you know, dealing with uh, property managers and people on drugs, all that good stuff. Um, and then eventually was able to burr out of them uh, 10 months later and uh, got all my money back and did something different. <laughs> Do you still have those that property now? I still have all of the properties. Yeah. Are they, do they run, do they run better now than when you bought them? A thousand percent. So they're extremely deferred maintenance. Um, when, when I picked them up, they're all crack houses basically. And um, going in, none of, I still haven't had a bathroom where I didn't have to gut the entire bathroom, soft floors, all that good stuff. But I actually listened to your show, Alex, uh, with going in 
targeting small two ones uh, in, in my area, the numbers seem to work about the same. Two ones, they're cheaper to work on, uh, cheaper to, to, to flip, brought it up to market value, you know, bumped rent from like 400 bucks to 700 bucks. Um, and it was able to eventually burr back out of them. So. Um, let me ask a question. When you bought that place that they didn't want, um, I'm glad you got out of it because sometimes you, people sell things that they don't want because uh, they can't be turned around. Sometimes it's their fault. It sounds like it's their fault. And that's, that's a good, I'm, I'm happy for you. But I want to ask you a question. Did you buy a, um, was it a D-class property when you bought it or was it a C minus because nobody claims they ever owned a D-class? Oh, they were F properties in, in D neighborhoods or C neighborhoods. Uh, I definitely own oh, my nicest house was a C C. I think solid C. So, um, I, I bought a my last twenty four unit. It took me about a year, year and a little bit. Um, I could do it faster now, but I didn't know what I was doing. Sounds familiar. Um, I bought it with low quality tenants and they had gotten away with too much shit too long. And yes. so going in there and like trying to like write the ship, what I realized is you got to get rid of them. Uh, and what you have to do is you have to change the culture of the neighborhood. Yes. Is that something you experienced? Yeah. So I actually have an interesting story with that first portfolio. So all the tenants, the moment their lease was up, like it was done. Like we would, move them out and go in and try to rent out of the place. And I was like cash flowing like month to month, like trying to pay my contractor and like selling guns and but like, here, man, here's some, here's some money. Let's keep that going. But at the end of one time, uh, one of the houses, this was probably like midsummer. It was like six months after I had them. I noticed that I ran comps for rent in the area and comps on ARV. And I, I had four houses on the same street and I was my own comp. And I was like, oh, I was in my own comp three times. I was like, whoa, I'm comping against myself. I bought this whole, like, well, I was in the whole neighborhood. But like, I have four houses in the neighborhood. I own the nicest four houses in the block. And it's right next to a school. And the city, like, well, they're, they're, they're hard to deal with anyways. But they're also like, oh, but someone's coming in and cleaning up the neighborhood. So it was, it was kind of cool to see that. I just didn't expect, it wasn't a plan. I was just like, whoa, all my comps are me. And that was kind of cool. I was like, I'll set my prices high <laughs> for rent. <laughs> that's the that's the value of scale, right? If you own the whole neighborhood, if, you know, it's like I now you set the market price. Right, right. I had no idea it was I, I didn't I, that was not planned. I was like, whoa, this is how did you pay for it? This first 28 unit uh portfolio. So when I was a dependo, I had a corporate America job, and part of the job was like I got less salary, but they gave me stock options. And then I left that job when I got my divorce and moved. And I just had stock for this company that I just, I didn't forget about it, but I never like invested in it. So I just left it alone. And then one day I checked and I was like, holy crap, I have like $221,000 worth of stuff, you know, uh, just because, mainly because the stock went up. And I was like, oh, okay, I want to do something with it. But I set a limit order, I sold and I was like, oh, now I owe taxes. So I only have $170,000 to do stuff with. And I was to buy solar panels. And so the solar panel guy was like, you should buy real estate and have that pay for your electricity. <laughs> so that's how, I, that's how I got started. <laughs> so the, the solar oh guy God. talked you into it. 
the smaller guy talked to me. He was a bigger pockets member, and he was like, "There's this thing called bigger pockets, and you shouldn't buy my solar panels. You should buy real estate." Worst and then, solar salesman ever. <laughs> he was like, well, he was the owner of the company too. Oh. And then he's like, I can't believe how I can't believe how impressionable you are. You just one <laughs> ding dong, one vendor comes up to you. You know, a few years ago, I had a guy come fix my garage door, and he told me to buy Bitcoin, and that's the point I knew not to buy Bitcoin. You, you're like, let me go get one hundred seventy thousand dollars worth of it. <laughs> can, we, can we just point out though, if you had bought Bitcoin a few years ago, uh, yeah. I mean, hindsight. Well, he told me when it was at twenty, and then it crashed oh. to five thousand dollars. All right, yeah, week. okay, so yeah, maybe not. Oh, maybe 20, maybe not the right time to. Probably not the right time to get into Bitcoin. Now it's fifty. Um, yeah, I would. Yeah, now it's, it's, and I wouldn't get in right now either. And people are like, "It's going to 400 and I'm like, "Yeah, maybe, but uh, maybe not." So. Years. <laughs> oh, yeah, so the initial money that came from the stocks, I sold those. I didn't know what to do. They like literally just sat in the money market account, and I just didn't know what to do with it. And then I was looking for investments and then I came across BP effectively. And when I bought, I bought traditional. So I, it was the same thing, same concept as if a house was a hundred thousand dollars and it was, um, you know, I put $20,000 down only I put like $200,000 down. I bought some, I borrowed some money from uh, family members to go in. And what, what made it appealing to me was despite not knowing anything, I listened to what Brandon Turner said, which was, run numbers, run numbers, run numbers. And it was like a 1.58% rule. And, and I was like, well, this is, doesn't make any sense. Like I had, someone has to buy this. So it should be me. And then I just kind of tried it. You know, <laughs> like, oh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Jump out of the so, plane and build the parachute. So from that lesson, um, have you going forward, are you looking for more or less risky properties i'd say had i not done that i wouldn't know what not to look for or what to avoid because i didn't just didn't have enough experience there are plenty of deals that houses i own just like it that are they come up that i can walk into a house and in like 20 seconds be like uh, well, yeah, like three four minutes walking around stopping in the windows and i'll be like this is a X, X dollar reno. It's going to be, it looks horrible, but it's actually super great. Same thing. I can go into a nice looking house and be like, whoa, like Joyce, or there's, there's something funky going on. I want to completely avoid it. I would not be where I am now without that, those lessons of dealing with 26 crack houses and trying to reno them while getting screwed by contractors. <laughs> right. But would you, my, okay. But what I was, uh, would you, are you looking for more crack houses or are you looking for higher quality assets going forward? Um, it just doesn't make any sense to not do the smaller houses. Uh, in, in, in my market, it, it, there's a section of town that's kind of sketchy and everywhere in, else in town, you're, you'll, you'll be cash flowing at the end of the day if you bird, if that's your strategy. You'll cash flow like 50 bucks or 70 bucks. But in my part of town, I can cash flow like 150 to you know, 200, 250 with an infinite cash on cash return with pulling out like 20 grand um right but you got to deal with but you got to deal with a more difficult tenant well after you rehab it you don't have to deal with a difficult tenant um it's just kind of it's a smaller community so people will live kind of where i don't know i think our area doesn't really have like machine gun fire and stuff you know it's not like 
gang activity. It's more like drugged meth. out areas. Meth, lots of meth. Yeah, meth, meth is a good word to describe the part of town you're talking about. <laughs> so like, people, like normal people, blue collar folks live in those areas. And as long as the product you provide is nice and safe, they'll, they'll charge market rents because market rents have gone up pretty much everywhere. Um, so the, the t- you can price out the tenants, even though, and people are willing to live in those in a D-class neighborhoods um, because there's not very much neighborhoods to live in if you want to be in town. You can go out of town and get all kinds of big stuff, you know, land and whatever, but then you're driving into work. No one around here wants to do that. I like the whole owning four houses on one street, right? Uh, and I haven't, I've bought houses in similar neighborhoods, but you don't necessarily own four houses on a street, but it's kind of cool when you think of, like people always want to try to get in on a neighborhood that's gentrifying, right? But I mean, if you had the scalability to do it, you could theoretically gentrify your own neighborhood if you were just focusing in on a small area. And there's, I mean, I know I've got friends who have 100, 200 properties and they'll keyhole in on one zip code. And then it's like, yeah, okay, your first few deals might not be as good as the next few going forward, but you're building your own like comps, your own rentals, your own culture in that area is easier said than done. Right. But I mean, it's kind of like the guys who, uh, I think it was Detroit where people were going in and they were literally just buying entire city blocks at one point, And then they would just renovate the entire city block. It's like, well, you know, at some point, like Smart move. you could turn a crappy neighborhood around very quick. If you own the whole thing, it's just right. an interesting concept. A lot of people don't think of, cause they think of like one house at a time, which is great. But if you can kind of scale that in your area, you're able to exponentially increase your returns. Or you get like Alex's uh, neighborhood where the entire uh, market just decides like the entire country is like, you know what, we're going to invest there. And then Alex is like, great, I'm glad I was holding these properties because well, the market just <laughs> renovated under me. And there was like, you know what, my strategy is this and this is exactly where I'm at. <laughs> and people came and did that. Uh, yeah, people came in 2017 to Fable and droves, drove the prices up and then kind of kind of really knocked me out because I'm not willing to pay some of the, I mean... I call it uh, right now you, to buy in my market, you have to compete with stupid and God forbid you win. Uh, <laughs> um, and then in 2019, I think the bubble started for everywhere. Everybody. I think now definitely uh, prices are uh, oh, not man. all of them. I mean, I'm, I'm still buying deals, but uh, being very, very cautious. And so, yeah, I'm paying no and, I, 70%. and to be fair, after I did that interview where I told everybody to come to Fayetteville, um, I changed my strategies. I haven't bought a single family rental since 2019. Oh, well, so for me, going through all the things to kind of answer your question is if I'm going to be in the single ma- single family space, I'm going to target the small properties. So it sounds like similar to your strategy because the numbers just made sense. Um, but it was so much work that if it's like just it's the same work to do a commercial property or something and you get so, so much bigger return. And then the other thing that I like is you control that. If you have systems that they're, they're valued off of, you know, cap rates, which is, you know, the cash flow that it generates it's, it's like a little business. So if you can make the business run better then the property is worth more as opposed to single families, like, Oh, you put it, Oh, you put in the granite countertops and the new bathrooms, but, every other house in your neighborhood was $50,000. So your house is 55,000. Congratulations. So it's, so I'm trying to shift towards that because it seems easier and there's more control over how you're valued because with the burst strategy, right? I would like to go in and try to force appreciation. I don't like 
I'm, I don't like gambling on appreciation. I try to buy somewhere where I can make, I can do something to it to make it worth more. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, yeah. next crazy investment. I, oh, sorry. Say again. No, you're you're good. No, no, you go. Oh. <laughs> I just said, all right, next crazy investment because I know Hugh jumped into another wild one right after that. Now let's hear it. So at ten thirty, or I didn't tell one. I bird out, had the cash flow on the side, and about that time. Uh, I, I have a policy that any, anyone who interacts with me and does business with me, I have a very big abundance mindset. Everyone wins. I give referrals. I, you know, if they're on my core four, like I'm going to do everything I can to get them business, even though like I'm just starting out, like I'm just some new guy. Uh, and then like go and help them out with their businesses and try to make, make them run efficient. So my um, a, a broker approached me uh, and was like, hey, there's this apartment complex coming up for sale it's, you should check it out. And then it ended up being a motel, a gas station and a um, uh, commercial unit, like a nine unit commercial warehouse space. And so I didn't know how I was gonna take that down. So I approached a few folks and got OPM and bought in, bought everything, took everything down. It was basically, they were selling it for the cost of the land, but it was cash flowing like $24,000 a month. And being run really poorly while it was cash flowing that much. Or sorry, not cash flowing, sorry. Generating $24,000 a month income from the property. So based off of that, they were already selling it under the 1% rule for a commercial property. And they, the seller's expectation was whoever buys this is going to tear it down and you know build a, a Wendy's on it or something like that. Um, so we took it down and I've just turned and was in charge of operations. So I get 50-50 split cash flow, and I get uh, 25% equity with with 0% down on my, on my part. That was, oh, and it came with a laundromat. I was like, oh, we have coin laundry also, apparently. So we had to figure that out, which was expensive. Yeah, so, and then you turned the operations of this hotel around, though. And so now Hugh's got this thing that he's effectively doubled in value. Um, if not more, actually, um, I, I'm curious, just like how you go from single family portfolio, like what were some of the things that you realized needed to change to operate a, essentially a hotel and a laundromat? So my background is in manufacturing. So I have lean manufacturing as, as, as a background skill set. And lean is the art of processes and, you know, all kinds of you know, making things efficient, but none of that matters. Uh, I, I subscribe to something called two second lean, which doesn't focus on process. It focuses on developing people, training people well, giving them the tools they need, empowering them to make the change and doing that. So when we bought the motel, it came with, you know, two or three employees, um, two employees that used to run the old operation and I was able to come in, step in and just start doing Intel gathering, like how's rent collected, like all these things and just try to figure it out. For residential, I had my property manager, uh, you know, do everything, you know, I have a core four and I, I, I basically said, follow the long distance real estate investing and basically didn't do anything myself. But with this, I stepped in and said, as far as the hotel operations go, which I know nothing about. Uh, and I also didn't really study much about you just go in and do simple stuff like 
hey, you shouldn't have trash all over the parking lot, you know, or like simple things like that, turning things around, fast internet, um, and, and running it efficiently is really what doubled it because it's valued at the cap rate. So we bought it for 2.6 million. Uh, and then we turned, we increased the revenue and dropped the expenses per month. And because of that, the cap rate turned around and was made it like a, like a $6.2 million property after operating it for three months. And the expenses we got rid of were permanent. And we gave everyone a raise and brought on another employee. So we increased our some expenses, but decreased them majorly. The people felt appreciated and they run it for me, which is kind of similar to the core four strategy, right? You have the people that are specialists do it. In this case, I'm just training them, setting guidelines and saying, operate within these parameters, go. And trust How did you pay for that building? Which one? 3.2 million. So you needed to come up with what? One and a half? It was 2.6 when we bought it. 2.6. Okay. And I, I got it. It was 100% OPM. Oh. So Jesus. someone saw me and was like, what did this guy do? He's going to lose his ass. He just bought 26 houses, doesn't know what he's doing. And then like stumbled through that, but it looks good on the outside. And then got all my money back out and was ready to go into the deal with it. And they were like, hey, you know what? Don't even worry about it. We'll go in. We'll see what, what you, what, well, let's see what you got basically. Um, so I negotiate 25% to them, to them, they didn't care. They, they were someone who buys land all the time. And so they're like, okay, well, in a worst case, we'll tear all the buildings down and I'll have the land to, you know, sell to Wendy's in the future or you know, Home Depot or something. But that was basically, uh, OPM came in. So basically what you're saying is you have no good advice for our listeners. Just get lucky. <laughs> I don't know anyone that would just trust people with that. I think it's try things. <laughs> oh, just try things. What's up, guys? Today, I wanted to stop and sponsor my own podcast by myself, which is a little cheesy, to tell you about the course that I'm launching called From Zero to One, Real Estate Investing for Beginners. Now, this is not a course to help you get rich fast. This is not a course to promise you to make a bajillion dollars, but this is the course that will help you get from zero rental properties to one rental property. It is designed to get you through your first purchase. Everything you need to know to get you through that step with support from myself, obviously via email and whatever, so that we can talk and I can help answer some of those questions for you. And it is extremely affordable right now because I'm launching it for only 97 bucks, which given the amount of content in there and the testimonials I got from the people who tested it beforehand, I am super on the low end for that price, but I'm going to probably have to bump it up in a little while. But for now, to test the waters and see exactly how many people I'm able to help with this, I want it to be extremely affordable because I want to help service members and veterans get their feet in the water. So if you are interested in learning about rental properties and you just want to learn how to get your first one, and then there are some bonus episodes in there to help you advance past that. But if you really just want to know everything you need to know to buy your first property without screwing yourself over, this is the course for you. Go ahead and check it out. The link will be down below in the show notes and back to your episode. When people see you put your money where your mouth is, you know, and go after and do things instead of just like, you know, keyboard commandoing it, going out, turning stuff, 
when you have in-depth conversations about things and you can run numbers and show what is possible, it is, um, it's good. I mean, get lucky could be that absolutely luck's certainly a part of it, but you know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So if you're always prepared, when opportunities comes up, jump on it. I think I'm just fucking with you. You know that, right? I think I think the the piece here that sticks out for listeners, and I'm not going to tell them to go and buy what you bought in either case, because that's a ridiculously crazy first first deal that paid off very well. But you know, risk risk. But I think the idea that I would try to impart with listeners from this is to understand that it's like what I was I was talking about the other day, like going all in, right? Like if you had gone into that 26 unit portfolio gotten you know sick like cold feet halfway through it or realized what you got into and started trying to sell houses off as junk as you went in you would have had nowhere near the success that you've had now and honestly like if you didn't have some kind of go all in mentality you wouldn't have ever pulled the trigger on it in the first place and it's kind of like the mentality of like people trying to you know in like a cartoon or whatever trying to jump over a cliff and like jump a jump a gap and the it's it's like the only person who ever makes it is the person who gives it 100%, right? The person who hesitates or holds back or whatever. So I don't know if I'm trying to like really circle the wagons here to make this make this point, but in essence just the thing that like on both of these you went all in 100%, you trusted what you knew and you asked questions about what you could have done and you figured it out. And well, a lot of people would have just never even like neither of those is a deal that's like, "Oh yeah, this is perfect. Let's go for it." They take guts, but you went through, you pulled, you pulled through on it because you stuck with it. Well, I think actually, uh, th- so I, I decided to do it. So I took action, you know, what they're always saying, uh, making a decision is more important than what decision you make, which yeah. is mostly correct. And not, not, not always the case, but I, I mean, to, to Alex's point, a big one was I jumped in not knowing what I'm doing, but I did it. And I heavily leverage the experience of, you know, my core four people who have been there and done that before who are veterans. I'd say it's no different than, let's say, a butter bar coming in, jumping in and having a bunch of senior NCOs that are like, hey, we've been here for 20 years. Like, you can kind of make high level decisions and we've got the experience when you have, you know, to fill in the gaps when you have no idea what you're talking about. And so I think that's a you know, I just tried something. I tried it and leveraged other people. I couldn't do it myself. I still can't do it myself. I'll continue to not do it myself. And I prefer it that way because I'm lazy. So <laughs> going in and, and, you know, being hungry, showing that you, you know, are giving value to them, whoever it may be, you know, taking the business card, you know, passing it around, doing email introductions, you know, hey, I've got a lender. I'm putting you in touch. You know, this guy's a rock star you know, whatever it is, building those relationships and then leaning on them, you know, who knows who will come out of the woodwork to say, oh, hey, you know, I am an electrician and this other guy's house I'm doing, they're trying to get rid of it. They might bring that to you. You know, you want to try to, you know, have that mentality, go out there and do it, but also like uh, be humble, try to try to figure out from other folks what's going on. What are somebody's gonna listen to this podcast and they're gonna be like, Oh, I can't wait to give this guy money. <laughs> yes. You know, Hugh's gonna raise all this money. You can just show. It'll be in the link. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are what are some lean type principles if you could like just a few things that you think like 
for a basic rental, like landlord, like what are some things you would look at? Say you're buying like a, you're a single family house right now, or, you know, small portfolio, like a, obviously like a hotel is a great example, but uh, not super relevant to 90% of people. Maybe, maybe a hundred percent of our audience, right. um, you know, 99 point, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but what would you say like for a normal, like landlord, like what are, what are some things that you think like right off the top of your head that you're like, Oh, I would totally look for this or use this to help me out. This is extremely, uh, I mean, definitely go to real estate meetups. Um, go, I mean, we didn't have one here. And actually, no, it was David, it was your bigger pockets one where they're like, I was too lazy to drive across the island. So I created one on my side of the island. And then I was like, there is no real estate bigger pockets thing here. So I just created it here. I like that you, like that you say island in the middle of Missouri. Well, no, no, you're, because you were on your, I know, I'm just giving you Missouri is an island. <laughs> but definitely real estate meetups where you just go interact with people and you can learn so much you know that's very actionable uh as far as lean stuff goes like why reinvent the wheel and try to learn everything you might bump into someone that could be a friend or a mentor like i didn't know anything when i talked to you like at all i was like i've been running deals what do you think and you're like yeah that's Seems overwhelming. Yes, good luck with that. <laughs> but, you know. I tried to be there. encouraging, but I remember I was like, this is the first deal you're going to tackle? Like, <laughs> I mean, the numbers work, man, but holy crap. Well, and and then you, you end up hooking me up with a property manager. And so not trying to do it yourself. If you're scared or you don't know what's going on, there's a friend out there. There's someone who's done it before. There's bigger pockets. There's all of the content. There's military to millionaire. You know, you can get on and ask questions just like so many of your audience already does to help you out. So definitely leverage other people's experience. Um, that's definitely a, a lean one. Don't try to do it yourself. Um, I, I end up helping a buddy, you know, he, he moved here on a Monday and then we found him a house and a duplex with a VA loan. And he closed on a Thursday, like Thursday, I've been here four days. And he just used my core four. I just plugged into my process. He trusted me. And then I was like, Hey, here's what's going on. Here's why. And then they just kind of went down through that. I did that because I knew him before and helped him out. Um, but there, there's, I mean, I feel like the real estate community specifically is like a lot of people are pretty, open to helping because they remember what it was like or it's relationship based you never know if the guy on the other side of the table you know might have a deal you know five years from now or something like that you know people remember the way you feel so i don't be, be really nice and kind <laughs> sounds very missouri uh i'm not nice it works for me <laughs> uh but i i do like that idea uh, a lot of people myself included uh try to do things too much by themselves uh asking for help Asking for help goes a long way. And if people won't help you, then you, that's probably because you're being a douchebag or you're asking more than you're worth, which is a problem that a lot of people have, which what you're saying is like, hey, look, be a good investment and then people will invest in you. Right, right. Lead with value. So like, I didn't know anything, but I knew I could bring my skills from manufacturing and be like, hey, did you know if you move that coffee maker to the center of your office, the 11 people in your office would walk... 160 miles less a year. Now, calculate the minimum wage that you would have paid all those people. You're welcome. And they'd be like, what? 
and like completely blown away. I was like, oh, don't get me started on email. So I like try to help people. And yeah, like, I don't know anything. I, 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 I'm here telling you guys, I barely know what I'm doing and I just figure it out as I go along, but I'm not afraid because there's a lots of other people out there that are willing to help. And when people ask me for help, you know, as long as they haven't burned a bridge, uh, then I'm going to help them out as best I can because I don't know, I have a huge abundance mindset to try to help out anyone with a connection or a referral or passing on a deal or helping them work the numbers, teach, him, teach a man to fish instead of you know, giving him a fish. Hey, here's how you analyze deals. I wouldn't go there because of this thing. So well, this is why Hugh and I get along because I don't know what I'm doing and I just kind of fumble through things because I know people. So, you know. You become the connector. Hey, did you know this and that was, was kind of a joke, but Alex is not even going to pretend to smile or screw with me because he's just going to like sit there and own it and make me think like okay fine it's not true alex um but no i think that's a that's a really good point right like when you're starting out the real estate community people will help you out if you just spend time getting to know people and focusing on how you can help them and honestly i think that's probably one of the best hacks you can utilize while getting into the real estate game that's huge right and i like to, to, to what alex was saying you look at the military to millionaire page and like 40 percent of the page is like i'm getting out in three months what should i do and they're asking the same thing over and over we'll provide no value and not even going back and looking at all the other content that you have that has answered that question like a thousand times and you have the ability to go in and you know pick people's brains i reached out to you okay can i do anything for you is there anything i can do i think i talked to you the first time about lean how i could help even though like i didn't know how i could help you so being able to, to, to ask for help is a, is a, is a huge one, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ask for help. And then, um, and like you said, you know, I have people who will ask me for stuff, you know, and I love helping people. I love it. But what they'll do is they'll, they'll find me along the way somewhere. And then um, they'll just go off and ask their question, which is, which is good. And what you're encouraging, you know, what you're encouraging, it's like, Hey, look, go ask for help. But I will say like, especially for people that pull out content, like, dude, David has so much content odds are he's already answered your question right like do some research first <laughs> yeah like here like we i put content out so that um so that i can help people you know without having a conversation so i can touch people for more than one one at a time and so um so if you're going to ask somebody for help it's like first make sure they haven't already answered it and if they have and you still have a question when you ask a more specific question say hey i i wanted to ask you this i looked at this article here i'm still not sure about this then somebody's like dude that guy took the time to right to to look me up and like, look at my content. Let me give him a moment. Yeah. Um, so even just like, um, before you go ask, just like, um, or if you get some information from somebody, just be like, Hey, look, you helped me out. Thanks. Anything I can do for you? Like open that lines of communication on terms that are not just extractive. Even if you really can't add so much value, it's like, at least show that you're trying, um, <laughs> at least show that you're trying, you know, that dude, um, Hugh has a, uh, a beer delivery robot at his house. Say, if you're if you're watching the video, Hugh has a buddy sitting on the couch that you out of frame eating popcorn. Hugh finishes a beer, <laughs> and the moment the beer disappears, a full beer just appears, handed over. Efficiency, all about efficiency. Why don't you have say, if this isn't lean systems <laughs> just rolled all up into one? It's like. I've got this guy who's just, I paid this guy to sit here and hand me a beer the moment <laughs> mine emptied. Maybe not paid, but actually we, well, if you guys watched the YouTube channel, you met Dan last week when he was on the, they both sat on the couch and hung out with me. Um, 
<laughs> no, but to Alex's point, um, I, I can't. I think who was it? I don't know. It, it, it was some someone's podcast, and they were talking about, hey, I you know, or, or Alex, if I heard you, hey, broke is a choice. You know, I read this article, I saw this thing, and I had a question for you about this specific thing, and I tried to ask other people. You're just going to respond to that. Hey, this guy took, like you said, they took the time, they read my stuff, and they have a question further about, you know, something that I already wrote or that you that you wrote. You know, that's just that. That's it. Shows that you did the, the basic, you know, respect and and yeah, it's huge. Showed that you put the effort first, and I think yeah, see that. So that. yeah, I have a life rule that go. Uh, uh, I say it all the time. Nobody's gonna care more about you than you. Nobody's gonna care more about your success. Nobody's sitting around going, "How can I make Hugh more successful than me?" Hey, let me call and make sure Hugh's doing his thing because he might not do it. Nobody cares about your success more than you. So when I run into people that care about their success less than they need to, and they want me to care more, I, I refuse. And so right. I'm like, look, if you have this question, you should find an answer. Oh, you, go, you didn't Google it. You didn't look for it. You didn't go. You just took somebody else's time to answer it for you. It's like, you want me to care more than you. I got right. you. I refuse. Right. <laughs> oh, uh, here's one for the lean stuff, right? Here's the way I basically got all my education. I went to Bigger Pockets episode one, listened on 2x speed, three hours a day, crushed six podcasts a day for like three months, listened to everything, and then went on to the next one and then found the other thing and then reached out and consumed all this content. And then, they, you know, a lot of the really successful people out there would say the same thing, which is, don't just, don't just be like, hey, you want to drive two hours and meet me for coffee? And like, ask me a question. It's like, going out of the way instead of being like you would be amazed <laughs> instead of like hey i brought you this thing i noticed in this book you wrote this thing and i was wondering why didn't you do this other thing like what what made you make that choice that kind of question would be like hey I, uh, alex on this property on your 24 units why did you go with this color paint or why didn't you go with you know tankless water heaters and you'd be like oh shit like this guy did his research cared enough to try and you know at least it's like actually like you use no you and also if you're gonna be that guy to ask for help do the research first don't be the guy who asks says it's the quickest way to just get completely ignored yeah you know, guys like yeah me, uh, it, bombarded i'm sure you yeah if, if i have yeah if i have a piece of con if i've written a piece of content that you're asking a question about and it's like you're asking me again it's just one of those things where it's like dude i want to help you but again like i can't you have to I, I want to see that you're trying. And so again, it comes back to like, not that nobody wants to help you. It's that they want to see that you're a good person to invest their time into. And so if you're proactive and you look up these things and you try and you're like, I really, I looked around, I couldn't find the answer. Can you help me out? Send me the link, whatever the case, if that's, you know, sure. But yeah, people that are just like, oh, I didn't think about any of that. I didn't even look, I didn't know you had a website, Alex. I just, I just ran to the email and, and took up your time. And especially when I get some of these yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, dude, I mean, I love you, but come on. Well, I think with Dave early on, I, I had a question about the VA loan. I was like, Dave, I, I already watched your video that you have here. Is there another article you can send me or other resources that you know about? I can go read up on this stuff yeah. that I don't know about because I, I didn't look at it. I mean, that's probably going to be well more responsive for you guys to help people out. Well, I was going to say the first time we well, I can, out. Well, I can also totally understand that you would read one of Dave's articles and still need further um, oh. explanation. <laughs> that I get. I totally get that. Thanks. 
thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate you. Um, I mean, well, let's, let's, we'll flip it. Right. The first time we ever hung out, I gave you like a 20 minute block. Cause I was like, I don't know who the heck this guy is. Sure. I'll meet you. You know, whatever. I mean, you would, you would, we had talked, but I was like super busy and I was like, yes, but it's got to fit in exactly at this time at this place. And you come to me, I'll be here already. <laughs> and I you showed up. Other guy. Yeah, we, that's that's true you did you did sit down with the wrong person but you sat down we we had a, we had our talk we talked whatever we left on good terms you know whatever and then we stayed in touch and now we're friends we hang out right so like that's totally different than like a lot of people if i'd been like yo i'd love to the only thing is i got this 20 minute block at this coffee shop at this time and they would have been like oh well he doesn't have time for me like Never would have never started a relationship. So, all right. Uh, can't be choosers. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, well, and I was on like a one week vacation home, so didn't have any time anyway. But all right, you, I got two questions I ask every guest. Okay. First one is if an 18, 19 year old asks you for advice, what would be the one thing that you feel like they need to know? Ooh. Is it going to be military specific or nah, whatever, whatever your life advice is? Go buy the book by Scott Trench set for life and read that followed close second by get a prenup <laughs> and if there are red flags before you get married there will be red flags it's getting married is not going to help so that was three pieces of advice but yes mainly the first one no but i love that because no one ever says that and honestly prenup and or red flags before marriage are probably two of the most relevant things you could tell you know what a young veteran audience you're gonna have a lot of people yeah scratch the first one which yes go read set for life but definitely for sure uh if there are red flags before you get married don't get married they're gonna still be there or work, work work it out first work it out first I'd also put the caveat in there that um, don't take relationship advice from somebody who's just got through an obviously bitter divorce. Well, it wasn't just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Go All right, on. So- what was that? Was that? <laughs> <laughs> so question number two, you might have already answered is what's one resource you recommend to anyone getting started uh, in real estate or business or life in general, uh, you said set for life. So what's another resource that you would give to anyone? I would uh, a thousand percent. If you have a business mindset or anything, and if you're looking to invest in real estate, which a lot of your audience is, you are running a business. You're not owning a passive asset. I mean, you can get it there, but you need to think of it like you're running a business. What got me all my automation and all my whatever fancy pants, like, it's easy doing business was a book called two second lean by Paul Akers. And that book right there, literally 180, the trajectory of my entire existence. Um, And it was as fundamental um, to how to do anything as let's say, you know, a lot of your listeners will understand rich dad, poor dad rearranges the way your mind thinks about like, you know, owning assets versus liabilities. Like that's a pretty big shift in thinking for most people when they read it. I'd say it's, it's that way for how to do business or anything. So that's, that's a huge one there. I like it. Yeah. It's actually on my reading list for sure. Uh, all right, Hugh, where can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out, ask questions or, you know, be the OPM for your next, uh, 
yeah, so really you like money, crazy you deal. Mail it to five 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 five. No, uh, so I have a YouTube channel, and uh, it's called Hugh Carnahan, and I teach lean, which sounds extremely boring, uh, but it's super fun, and I try to make it silly, and I'm trying to do like a real estate finance focus. So yeah, I'll make sure I tag that. And yeah. he's wacky. I watched a little bit of that YouTube say, channel. He teaches YouTube in speedos and shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. If anyone wants a laugh, and you know, there's one called oh uh, the David Green one. Not David Green gives an analogy, <laughs> and I also have a uh, one. I'm just making fun of the, the BP guys. Not Tarl Yarber takes you through crappy house is a, ser- a, po- a playlist I have, and I just take you through crack houses in my area. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's entertaining to say that and i spelled his name wrong and then he commented on one of my videos and was like you spelled my name wrong <laughs> <laughs> love it all right brother hey this has been fun always a pleasure uh looking forward to moving back and being able to hang out and um i know we spoke about it i'm getting numbers this week so i, I may have something that we're going to end up working on together so uh, i'm getting drunk <laughs> yeah there's the there's the voice in the background time about alcohol and hot tubs, which is basically my love language. So, you know, um, yeah, they should rewrite the book. Yeah. Hot tubs, drunken hot tubbing, love language number six. All right, dude, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military to millionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.